Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. I'm Ben Trueblood and always here, faithfully, producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? Yeah, I try to Good. be, you know. Here, you here. are. Yeah. Consistent, faithful, always, always there. Uh, Nathan, super excited to have our guest yes. today. Um, we are, I'm going to tell you about Lee in just a minute. Um, and this is not the most important thing about Lee, although I'm going to say it first, fellow 49ers faithful. Yes. So we, we've got a, we've got a lead. We've got a lead with that. Uh, now let me tell you about the, the, the other more important things about how God's working in his life, in his life. Uh, yeah. Lee learned the power of purpose early in life, growing up in the inner city of Houston, Texas. Lee witnessed the profound effects of crime, drugs, mental, and physical poverty. He vowed to live his life differently and to make a change. In the process, Lee realized that if purpose is never defined, change is never discovered. Lee's dedication to intentional living has inspired his 35-plus year career as a pastor, author, speaker, consultant, and leadership coach. He's the founder of Lee Wilson Ministries, an organization that provides children and youth ministry development programming, consulting and uh, coaching services for church and next generation leaders, and the Love Life Marriage Relationship Conference for churches, as well as one-on-one marriage mentorship. Lee has served, and get this, everybody, Lee has served as a lead pastor, youth pastor, executive pastor, founder of the Face-to-Face National Youth Conference, Next Gen Podcast, Life on Purpose Tour, and the Next Gen Academy. He's spoken in over 200 cities in the United States, as well as Africa, Asia, Central America, and Europe. He and his wife, Tanya, have two adult daughters, Alexis and Jordan. Lee, I am thrilled that you're making time to be on the podcast. Thank you, man. Well, man, I am so happy to be here. And um, let me just say, before I get started, go Niners. Um, (laughs) So... Yes, uh, I am diehard there, and uh, but I love God more. I love God more. I will say that. But uh, <laughs> that's right. It is a, it, it is an honor to be here, man, and to uh, uh, be a part of this amazing podcast, and uh, and getting getting to see you, and uh, just looking forward to uh, to this uh, to this time together. Man, thirty five plus years of ministry experience, and still counting, and served multiple levels of leadership within the local church. Um, man, I just, yeah. I just want to start and say thank you for the, the lives that you've impacted, the ones that you'll, the countless lives that you'll never see or know about that over your 35 plus years have, have heard you teach, have walked through a little bit of life with you, man, the impact is great. So thank you for, thank you for making the impact and following the Lord in that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored. Actually, I still feel like I just got started. Uh, when I hear all those things you just shared, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I never really stopped <laughs> to think about it because uh, we're, we're, we're going, man. We're still going and doing what God's told us to do. And, um, you know, and I actually been preaching since I was 16 years old. Um, and, wow. uh, and that was just that was just a few years ago. But uh, <laughs> I, um, That's right. I really, I still enjoy it. I still get I still get excited when I stand before young people. Uh, I get excited when I'm before leaders, uh, church leaders. It's just uh, it, I'm, I'm still burning and I'm excited about it. So I want to dive into the church stuff, but 
I think it would be uh, a little out of order to dive into the church stuff without first going back to young Lee Wilson, because yeah. that that experience and growing up formed now the ministries that you have been a part of and the way that you've led throughout those years. So let's go back. Tell us about young Lee Wilson growing up in Houston. Yeah, growing up in Houston, um, I'm the oldest of five and um, grew up in the projects and uh, uh, in Houston and uh, what people would call the ghetto. And I always say I'm not ashamed to say I'm from the ghetto. Uh, I got the ghetto and the glory. They go together. Uh, <laughs> Helps you helps you get like out of some it. things, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, man, one day I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, we grew up in a, in a single parent home. My mom was dating a guy, but she did her very best for us. And one day, a church uh, ministry came over into the apartment complex where we lived, and you know now I know what it was. But they did outreach, and they came over to the apartment complex mm-hmm. where we were, and started to just go around the entire apartment complex evangelizing inviting people to come up to the front of our apartments to do uh, uh, to a prayer circle. We were actually playing basketball about, about 50 feet away from where this was all going down. And this bold guy comes onto the basketball court. I'll never forget him. His name was Ray Harris. He walks into the basketball court, walked in the middle of our game, snatched the ball, and said, guys, I want you to, would you guys give Jesus five minutes of your life? And we're like, fine, man, we're playing basketball. Man. It's just like... You, do you understand the rules of the hood? You know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so he took our basketball. He began to run, and I always say he was running because we were chasing him. And uh, he goes over to this prayer circle that they had formed, and the preacher in the middle says, "I want you guys, everybody that's here. I want you to grab somebody's hand on the right, grab somebody's hand on the left, and I want you to pray this prayer with me." And so that day, at 14 years old. Um, and I didn't know this to afterwards, but my, my, my brother, my two sisters and myself, we all prayed to receive Jesus into our heart the same day. And, uh, we've never turned back and mom made sure we got on that church bus every single Sunday. Mm. We got on the church bus, started going to church. And, you know, at that point in my life, I wanted to be everything, you know, as, as most young people I had dreams to do a lot of things. I wanted to, you know be rich of course i wanted to play sports i had this desire i'm going to be a sportscaster after i finished my nfl career and hall of fame career i had it all planned out man and uh, but god had other plans for me and so we started going to church every sunday and uh long story short uh at 16 sitting in a revival a summer revival that mom made us go to church with uh, uh i felt and heard the calling of god on my life at 16. i accepted that call mm-hmm. That call was to go into this generation and help this generation have an exciting and knowing and growing relationship with God. And so we've been on that journey ever since. So I'm 16. Um, and, uh, and so from there, I just started just believing God, man, that I wanted to see other young people like me serve God, live for God, be excited for God. And here's a funny thing. Here's a funny story, true story. Um, uh, I heard a story in the Bible about Abraham and when God told Abraham, Abraham, call those things that be not as though they were. And my pastor had been teaching that series uh, this, the, on that scripture. So I started believing God, like God told Abraham to believe him. And I said, I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to preach the gospel all over the world. 
And so I would go to the airport every Sunday after church. And this was, um, at this time, I was probably 17, 18 years old. Um, I started going to the airport, Houston Intercontinental, oh, okay. at that time it was called Houston Intercontinental, now it's George Bush International Airport. And I started believing God. I would go to the gates. Back then, you can go through TSA. I would go to the gates where Miami was leaving, Nashville was leaving, going, uh, Hawaii, uh, other parts of the world. And I had two guys that was with me and these two young teenagers that loved to hang out with me. So I would make them act like I was traveling. So if I get up, they start boarding the plane and they would say, uh, I would say, guys, when they get ready to board the plane, I want you guys to cheer Lee. Hey, Lee, have a good trip. See you when you get back. And we did this every Sunday uh, in between church services. And uh, just a long story short on that is that, um, you know, I was acting like it was so, but not, not now. Uh, God has fulfilled that purpose. Um, you know, I'm so honored that I fly back into that airport every single day, every single week. I fly out of that airport, traveling the world, doing what God had put in my heart, purpose in my heart to do. And, mm. and, uh, and so we've been, man, you know, just trusting God, believing him, and we're seeing him bring it to pass. That's incredible. How about Ray just stole your basketball and and, <laughs> and ran you over to the prayer circle. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, you know, I always say, man, we got set up by God because you can't get over there and you don't know what's going on. And the preacher's like, grab somebody's hand on your right, grab somebody's hand on your left. And I'm like, oh man, I'm about to pray. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> best set up of my life. Best set up of my life. I love it. So did you have any prior uh, church experience at all to that point? Um, or was, was that kind of the introduction into who Jesus, Jesus is? And like, it's, that's where it all started. Yeah. You know, church was important for my mom. Uh, we thought we didn't never really understood it because she never went, but she said, you're going to go to church, me and my brothers and sisters. And, uh, and I always wanted to ask her mom, if church is so good, why don't you go? Uh, but I just never had the nerves to do that. We just got on that church bus mm -hmm. and that started the journey. I didn't have any farmer. Uh, my dad or my anybody in my family that were in ministry or church, it was just God had a plan. God had a purpose uh, for me and all my brothers and sisters, and they're all still alive. We're all still serving God to this day. And, um, you know, mom has uh, gone on to be the heaven, gone on to heaven. But we're, I'm so grateful she made us go to church because that was a turning point in my life. Or I would have ended up being what I saw in my neighborhood, man, drugs, uh, gangs, uh, you know, just the, the, the so-called thug life. And uh, I got the God life, man. I, that's a much better deal. So you're in Houston. I mean, just thinking about being able, <laughs> being able to go right through airport security to the gates and, and yeah. do what you were doing is, I mean, it's a different day now, isn't it? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You're in Houston at that time and and, get, and getting out of high school. Where what are the next steps that you that you began to take? You know, uh, the next steps were even though I was believing God and all this stuff was happening, I'm serving in my local church. I'm I'm doing everything I can, working at the audio department, cutting grass, cleaning toilets, uh, helping my pastor, uh, our church leaders. That's what I did for for many 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 years uh, before any opportunity to go do anything. But mm. you know. I just understood that it was important to serve within the local church. Back then, we didn't call it serving. All these cliches and things we have now, it was just, you know, I'm at the church. I'm helping out. Um, you know, one, uh, I, I'll tell you a funny story. My pastor, uh, after I accepted the call of my life at 16, um, 
I used to enjoy sleeping. Sleeping was like one of my favorite things. And uh, so one summer day around one o'clock, uh, my pastor calls the calls my uh, apartment and my sisters answered the phone. He says, where's Lee? Uh, and they couldn't wait to tell him uh, he's asleep. And um, and so he says, I want you to go knock on his door and wake him up. It was one thirty in the afternoon. And I remember them knocking on the door and says, uh, pastor's on the phone. He wants to talk with you. And I try to clear my throat to make sure, you know, <clears throat> you know, get the sleep out of my out of my throat. And uh, I can still hear his voice to this day. He's like, he called me Brother Lee. He's like, Brother Lee? I was like, uh, yes, sir. He says, what are you doing? I says, uh, and I couldn't lie to my pastor. I said, I'm, I'm in my room. I'm asleep. He says, son, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. And he said something that changed my life. He said, the milkman is up. The mailman is up. And God's man is in bed sleep. He says, you get out of that bed. I'm going to pick you up. You're going to mm. work for me this summer at church. And I'm thinking, what? Wow, what's going on? And he says, do you have a tie? Do you have a shirt? Uh, I was like, no, sir. Uh, so he took me to the men's warehouse, bought me a tie, shirt, a uh, couple of sports jackets. Uh, and I'll go to the church on, on, in the summer mm. and work for him and serve the local church. And I was cutting grass. Uh, with a suit and tie on, with a, with, a, with a tie in Houston, by the way, in the summer, uh, which is, that's a miracle all by itself. <laughs> wow. That's, that's faithfulness at another level right there. <laughs> that's right. It is. <laughs> uh, but that's how, man, <laughs> you know, and then I just got this desire to start seeing my friends saved. So I started sharing my testimony. Um, they're like, why do you go to church all the time? You know, it's like, man, church is fun. Church is good. And this is back when church wasn't as cool as it is now. It was the Baptist church. It was the Baptist church. It was, we were, uh, it was New Light uh, Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, very small church. Uh, more children were going to the church than mm-hmm. adults. And, um, but I just, you know, just passionate about God. And I started w- witnessing to all my friends. So all of them started getting saved. They started coming to church and uh, and enjoying it. And plus the church had a nice little um, incentive. Uh, there's a place here in Houston called Shipley's Donuts. It's my favorite um, donut place. And uh, I think they may have one in other parts of the country. Yeah. But, but Shipley's, they would they would bring hot glazed donuts to our, to our apartment complex. And uh, so you get on the bus, you get a donut. And so we would all get on the bus, get a donut, go out through the back door, get on the bus again, you know. Uh, but eventually... <laughs> All my friends started coming to church, and uh, we started just worshiping God, man, and serving God. And that's really how it all started. Uh, I just kept believing God. Um, I wrote down my vision. I found the scripture, Apocalypse 2 and 2 says, write down the vision. So I wrote down my vision in my Bible, mm-hmm. and I would. Uh, my vision was, I thank you, Lord, that my gift made room for me. It brings me to the company of great men. I travel this world, ministering to the next generation helping them have a knowing, growing, and exciting relationship with you on purpose. And that was something I, I wrote down, I memorized it, and I still to this day say that and quote that. And I will say that millions of miles later, on one airline alone, I've flown a million miles, uh, and no, mm-hmm. no form of training in a sense, no, just trusting God. And I'm a living example uh, that when you trust God, he will, he will use you just how you are when you keep your heart right towards him. 
And now my passion is to see those who are called to minister to the next generation, uh, you know, do the same thing, you know, and, and, and use the gifts and callings that God has in their life. And like I said, I still get, man, I still get like excited when I stand before teenagers or youth leaders or couples as well. It's just, I'm burning. I'm, as you can see, I'm excited right now, man. I'm, I just, that's just the way I've always been and believing God and God is, we've seen God come through every time. Yeah, man, what a story. When you uh, talk about the first time you you took on the role of a youth pastor, I mean, you're there are a lot of things you're doing already that, that sound like a youth pastor coming up. Yeah, uh, cutting the grass for the senior pastor and and <laughs> and hanging out, working at the church, doing whatever, leading your friends to like leading your friends to Jesus. There's a lot. There's a lot of youth ministry in those things. Yeah, but talk about the first uh, kind of the first church that you began to, to, to serve full-time on staff with and how that kind of began to, yeah. when God moved you from what you were doing there into a church staff team? Well, the very church that I was telling you about um, became uh, here in Houston, a mega church over years. And I became a uh, full-time on staff, but the first time on staff was not in the area of youth ministry. It was in the area of production and television. So, uh, but Honestly, when I look back at it, it was actually a youth group because uh, I was over the TV ministry uh, that we had, and I recruited teenagers. So I had on the cameras teenagers and okay. the production suite teenagers. And then afterwards, we would like go to, you know, restaurants, or whatever, sit down. We have times and study, study uh, Bible study. Uh, but that kind of started me into the area of youth ministry, and then we started doing youth conferences uh, at our church and uh, inviting outside guests. We do these youth crusades and conferences. And that's kind of where I started, you know, but I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, I look back now, I was kind of always doing youth ministry. We didn't call it that back then. It was at best, it was called teen ministry uh, at best, but the the form, mm. the, all the things we now have, it, it's, it, it just wasn't even existing. It was just doing what we knew to do best. And uh, I will say um, I got this desire in my heart uh, around 19, around 2021. Um, and I saw all these youth events, youth crusades, youth conventions, youth explosions. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some old school terms here, you know, uh, back yeah. in the day. But uh, I would look at all of these events and I never, I would not see anybody that was African American, um, and it just, I like, mm. it really made me like, you know, not look at it in a, in a negative way, but it's like, Lord, where where are the people that look like me doing the, uh, this for uh, for young people with like in my in my apartment complex in my community because I know they need Jesus, uh, but does it seem like the churches yeah. were not interested in that? So. God put in my heart to start a, an event called Face to Face. And uh, it came out of the scriptures in Exodus where the Bible says that uh, uh, the young man met the Lord face to face and he did it as a friend. And, and he had that encounter with God. And I wanted young people to have the same excitement and encounter with God that I had. So, man, I just believe God went to a, um, 
uh, started with a local church. We did it, in, and this was in 19, 1996. Uh, I still have the first brochure from that event. Okay. And we started doing youth conferences, youth awesome. uh, inviting youth groups from all over our city. And, uh, and we just never stopped since then. We've been doing things like that. Uh, but that's, you know, and since then, I've been a youth pastor at uh, probably four different churches uh, over the last 30 plus years. Uh, I've had a youth group personally, led a youth group of, of 50 kids, 20 kids. I've had youth groups of over a thousand kids where a uh, thousand young people within our youth group. Uh, I've done bus ministry, outreach, um, you know, name it. I pretty much had diversity. I've always been one to have uh, youth of all races and colors and backgrounds um, in, in my youth group. So I cross over really well. Um, and now 57 years old, still have that same uh, ability. I, actually, it's a great test for me to stand before young people and preach and see if I still got it, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's always for me. Like, put me before a group of young people. Let me see if it's still man. I, that is the truth. Uh, the, it is. There's no more difficult group to preach to, um, and I I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. I mean they just see through the stuff a right. lot a lot faster than than other audiences. They will. They know if it's authentic or not. Yeah, um, and the one thing that you know that I've always been with young people and i think to this day it doesn't change now culture has changed quite a bit of course when i first started uh church and god was something that you respected you 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 did uh, especially in the in the bible belt and down south where i'm at um but one of the things that i've always been able i believe to do is that young people are looking for uh authentic someone to be authentic and to be real. And so my stories, my testimonies, the things that, you know, I'm, I've never been afraid to share, hey, I've gone through that. As a matter of fact, I'm going through that right now, but it's not stopping me. And I would say things that, you know, I felt that was always relevant to young people, uh, whether I'm ministering to youth in a youth detention prison, which has happened, school assemblies, uh, church groups, youth conferences, uh, and I think that's been one of the reasons why uh, we've been able to be sustainable all these years um, and, and relevant. Just being real. Uh, don't make it about me. It's not about a title. It's about God. And that, you know, and I believe when young people see someone that's real, uh, and it's not about how good you can speak. I've seen some of the best speakers in the world. They're no longer doing it. They're no longer in church. They're no longer even serving God. Mm-hmm. Uh it's really about heart and the relationship first with God and the relationship with them. And that's been, I think what's given us longevity. Yeah. What are some, uh, what are some things that you, as you look over your time in serving young people and ministering to young people? And like you said, there's still years left. You're still doing it. Yeah. But as you kind of hit pause on that and reflect on the 35 years that you've spent, what are some of the big takeaways that you, that you always think about? Like I learned this from pastoring young people and I learned this from pastoring young people. Yeah. I think I learned, you know, just the, the idea of that. If you keep it real, that young people, uh, like you said this earlier, 
they can find, they will figure out you right away if you're real or not. And uh, I've learned probably the biggest thing is that young people, when you really make an impact in their life, they never forget you. When you're real with them and, and you make uh, some some way impact, they don't forget it. Um, I, I do a lot of weddings now. Uh, I, I don't do a lot, but I, I'm doing more weddings than I've ever done in my in my ministry career. And guess who I'm marrying? I'm marrying young people that used to be uh, teenagers in my youth group. And here's here's what uh, yeah. most often what they say to me. I remember the first time I heard a message about sex and dating, and I heard love. It came from you, uh, Pastor Lee, when I was 13 when I was 14, when I was 16. And I said, if I, whenever I get married, I want you to marry me. And so now I do premarital with these now adults and they're telling me these stories of the impact that made in their life when they were 13, uh, when they were 14 and 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think that young people, the Bible says in Acts 2.17, God says in the last days, it's gonna pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And the very first people he mentioned in that scripture was the sons and the daughters. It says they shall prophesy. Um, they shall have visions. And I believe that young people are looking to this day, as always, they're looking for someone that will help them uh, understand God, be real before them with God, not perfect. And uh, and that's been something that I'm, I'm constantly uh, reminded for. It's fruitful. Youth ministry is fruitful. Um, and... I I prefer in a lot of ways sometimes just talking to teenagers. Um, you know, being in ministry now, being a pastor, executive pastor, all these things, titles. You know, I would often say to people like, "Man, I just I just missed the days of just standing up before young people telling them to stop having sex." You know, that was cool. <laughs> versus <laughs> versus dealing with some of the other stuff you have to That's deal funny. with in yeah. church. But uh, at the end of the day, man, young people are just looking <laughs> for somebody that's going to be real. Somebody's just going to keep their word, that's going to be there for them and stay there for them like they said they would and not look for the big jobs or the promotions. But, uh, I, you know, and I'm still learning these lessons today. I, I just got off the phone um, with a young man that's yeah. now pastoring in Atlanta that was a, when I first met him, he was a young man that was not necessarily living for God like he should. And, and now I looked like all these years later, he's, you know, he's serving God and, uh, and I still have a relationship with him. That's, that's key for me. Well, you at an early age, God called you to minister to and make an impact on the next generation. Even when you were a part of that generation right. called, called you to be with young people. Uh, having spent a lot of your life with young people, um, with teenagers, then you have your own kids. Right. And I know that there are a lot of uh, youth pastors that listen to this podcast who uh, may have young children or children that are approaching their teenage years or who are thinking about one day, if we have kids, they're going to be in the youth ministry how in the world do I handle that? Yeah. Uh, what are some things that some some wisdom that you could give youth pastors about uh, having kids in the student ministry, their own kids? Yeah, yeah I tell you this. Uh, my, one of my greatest joys, my daughter's now Alexis is twenty nine, my youngest is twenty four. 
Uh, and to this day, asking them, hey, who's your favorite preacher? Who's your favorite youth pastor of all times? And they're like, dad, you are. Um, and that for me was so important. You know, I could fly all over the world and preach to young people, but I think I, I've, I think I, I, I'm not, I didn't win if I get on an airplane, fly to another city, minister to young people and my very own young people and I'm going to church, loving God, serving God. And uh, so one of the things my wife Tanya and I did early on is that we made God a priority in our life before our girls. And we made God a priority in, in, in our home. Um, so it was, and we made them a priority. And one of the things we did is now we hear this terminology, uh, work-life balance or ministry-life balance. I think it's so important. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I never put my family uh, behind anything I did, any vision, any ministry. I always made them a priority. Um, we stopped and had time with them to this day. So early on in my career, I made a decision. I'm not going to ever go in the house on my phone. My girls were in high school, middle school. My wife was at home. So I would deal with ministry in my driveway of my home, but I turned that phone off. When I walked in the house, I was dead. I wasn't pastor Lee. I wasn't minister this or Mm. executive this. I wasn't my title. My title, my first ministry is my family. The same with my wife. You know, we made sure we always had time, of, you know, together away from ministry. We're out at dinner. We're not on our phones. We're, you know, one of the things I see now, I'm watching families out at restaurants and everybody in between ordering their meal and waiting on their eating their meal, everybody's on their phone. The kids are. And so I think quality time is so important. Uh, enjoy them when they're young. Um, one thing I did growing up, uh, when my girls growing up, uh, being busy and always traveling, when I was at home during the week, I made the decision, I'm not putting them on a bus. So I said to my wife, I want to drive the girls to school every day when I'm home, uh, cause I want to have that relationship with them. So we're talking, you know, in the car and listening to music. And, you know, to this day, my, my youngest daughter still talks about, um, the, um, the, what's the Larry, Larry, the, the, the cucumber or the, Tomato, um, VeggieTales, yeah, uh, VeggieTales, yeah. because that's what <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. what we were singing growing up, you know. And we had such a relationship. Here's a funny story. <laughs> uh, my wife and I the other day, because now the girls are out, you know, they're grown, they're adults, and I realized how much children impact your life. And, and you know, we've been married 33 years. Our daughter's 29, 24. We still use the word potty, like you know, we're watching a movie. And uh, it's like, hey, type positive, I'm going to go potty. And we're like, wait a minute. Why are we still using the word potty? <laughs> it's just because. Yeah, children, it just sticks with you. Yeah. It sticks with you. But our, our children have always been a priority. And I think that whatever you do, no matter what title, what position, as a youth pastor, serving young people, make sure your young people are served first before you serve anyone else. Um, mm. And my girls. This is no this is no lie. My daughters, when they were both in the youth group, they asked me, they would ask me, Dad, who's preaching this week? Uh, and I would say, Why? Because I want to make sure you're there. I'm inviting my friends from school and I want to make sure you're there. And, and anytime I wasn't there, my daughters were disappointed. Like they were disappointed that I wasn't preaching. That, you know, says a lot. <laughs> um, because they hear me all the time. I'm preaching to them first. Yeah. Whether they realize it or not, I was always preaching to them, but right. they, they enjoyed me as, uh, 
you know, as their, as their youth pastor, as much as they enjoyed me as their father. That's really special, man. Lee, what would you say to a pastor, youth pastor who is struggling with that, that ministry and home life, uh, where they, you know, maybe they're in a place where things are tough and they're feeling like, man, if I just put in these extra hours, if I just put in these extra minutes, if I just go to one more game, one more band concert, one more outreach thing, if I just do one more, one more, yeah. and they look around and they, and they're not, they're missing out on that home time and it's causing a, it's causing some struggle. What would, what advice would you give to them? Well, the first thing I would advise them is to be honest with themselves and if that's you, and I've been there, uh, I'm having to make a decision between, boy, I'm going to disappoint this youth and my, and my this young person, uh, this family versus nothing like disappointing your own family. Uh, and your kids may not know how to say it. They may not mm. know. Your wife may not have the, the, the words to give to you, but you have to stop and acknowledge yourself. The second thing I would say is if you really want to know if that's you, then ask your spouse, ask your children if they're old enough. Does daddy or mommy, uh, do you think I'm here enough? Do you think we're around? And you have to be honest with what they say. You have to accept the, real, the fact that if they say, no, you're never here. Do you feel like Do you feel like you're first in my life? If they say no, that's a wake-up call uh, for anyone. So I would say that's how you find out. The third thing I would say uh, that... I believe it's just so important is to have accountability in your life. Um, and so finding someone that can, you can be accountable to that doesn't care about your title, that doesn't care about that you're a pastor, you're mm. leader, you're this incredible you know, speaker, whatever you do, but someone that can tell you your stuff is off, that tell you, hey, you're out of line and kind of keep you accountable to the things that, First and foremost, your first ministry, your family. And I get it. It, it may be painful. It may be shameful uh, that you're in that position. But the longer you don't do anything about it, the more challenging it becomes. And before you know it, you're going to look back. And that six-year-old is going to be 16. And it happens fast. More, It happens way faster than you realize. And that 16-year-old is has a, not only... They're disconnected from church. They're going to be disconnected from you. And I'm not trying to be negative or put any kind of unnecessary pressure or fear on anyone, but that's the reality. So stop and have some yeah. moments. Have daughter, daddy dates, mommy, um, you know, sons. I mean, I know because there are people in ministry on, on, on all sides of life. But stop and be mm-hmm. present. Be present with your family. Be present with your spouses. Um, it's it's so critical because uh, at the end of the day, uh, jobs change, roles change, churches change, you know, positions change. Even your giftings and callings change and cause you to do other things. But your family yeah, that's will right. always be your family. Your children are going to always be your children. Your spouse, uh, if that's your desire, will always be your spouse. Um, and I think that it's important to put them first. Yeah, man. I, uh, I have a 16 year old right now and I can attest to the speed at which, uh, time travels it. Yeah. 
And people said the same things to me, like when he was, you know, first born, it's like, man, time, time's going to fly by. And it's one of those, like when you're a first time parent, it's like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But then it happens and it, it really does feel like days are long, years are short. Right. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you feel like it's a long day, but you turn around and, uh, like we got college visits and we got all of that stuff that's happening right now. And it's weird. It feels weird, but you're right. Time, that time goes by so quickly. There's always, there's always going to be more like in ministry, there's always more to do, right? Like there's always another task. There's always something else. And we really do. We, we, a, a great skill for a pastor is to be able to switch that off and focus in at home. Yeah, I look at I call it the hat dance. Um, we all have different positions yeah. and things we're doing. Um, it's important for you to ask yourself, what hat, um, what hat should I have on right now? And then how about asking your spouse or thinking about your children if they're old enough, what hat do they think you're wearing? Uh, because you know, I when, you know when I come home, I'm not Pastor Lee. As a matter of fact. Uh, this is the this is the truth. If my wife calls me pastor at home, I'm in trouble. It's not like <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like your full name, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like calling my full name when my when I was growing up. She's like pastor. It's trash night, <laughs> pastor. You said you were going to do this, you know. So it's like I'm not Pastor Lee at home. I'm Daddy. I am, you know. Uh, at best, my wife calls me honey, you know, and sweetheart, or you know, she says Lee. But I think, you know, titles are, man, they're temporary. But but that, that you know, relationship with your family, man, it's, it's, you know, enjoy the moments. Enjoy, like, you know, just having conversations with them. Uh, don't put a phone or, or a tablet in their hand uh, to distract them because you have so much going on that you can't do it. Pull it out of their hands. And give some time to you and them. Don't let it just be, you know, something else. You know, we didn't have that. I didn't have that, thankfully. Uh, you know, we used to have to put a yeah. TV in our car when we were on road trips. We had to put it on the back seat of the, <laughs> you know, uh, the driver's side seat and the car seat so the kids can see it. But it wasn't permanent. And the phones were actually, you know, remember the, the phones were in the car. So the phone was in the dashboard. Um, it wasn't something I could hand back to her or and say, hey, yeah, watch this. That's right. Uh, and so I'm grateful we didn't have that. But I will say, don't let YouTube um, become the parent to your child. And you you become the parent to your child. And I'm not saying not to have those things. Those things are important. I get it. But we got to have balance in every single thing. And that time you have right now, when they still get excited about you, uh, when you come home, that time when they cry, when you leave or daddy, where are you going? Mm. Can I go enjoy those moments? Let them ride in the car with yeah. you. If you're just going to the gas station to pick up, you know, get the gas for the car. That's man, that's priceless. That is moments that you will always cherish. Yeah, man. You saying that uh, ministers to my heart in this, in this season specifically, because we are uh, with our roles at Lifeway, we're on the road a good bit in the spring and we're right in the middle of it right now. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's kind of sad when, when your kids are like, oh, you've got a, you've got another trip coming up. Yeah. Yeah. But the other side of that is what you just said. It's like, well, they don't, they don't want me to leave. So that, that must mean I'm doing something right around here. Yeah. yeah Cause if, if they're asking you, uh, dad, when, when are you going out of town again? Uh, when's the next trip we need uh, you out of here yeah you gotta get out of here you know you know my daughters still have i i would travel so much and i I always like when i went to somewhere like really cool i thought like uh famous place or australia i would bring them back souvenirs they still have some of those souvenirs that i would bring back to them Mm -hmm. when they were single digital uh and i didn't even remember i didn't even know they kept them but they were like they still kept kept those things you know and I, I think, you know, I, I still, to this day, I give my daughters, I was, I was in the store yesterday, um, we have such a great relationship, and they look forward to it. 29, I want you to understand now, 29, 24, I give them Easter baskets every year. and um, I love it. And so, and they look forward to it. Like, they think, you would think they were nine and, and four, uh, but they, I still give them Easter baskets. So I look forward, I go to the store, I, I do all the shopping. I fix them up. I put things in it that's more, you know, where they are, stuff they like, you know. But I love on Easter watching them uh, open up their baskets. And, and I wait every time. I don't do it the same way every year. Just kind of, you know, have this delay. And they don't, they don't know if it's coming. And then I pop it out, like, sometime throughout the day. And it's just like, oh, I knew it's coming. I knew it was happening. So, yeah. I'm yeah. Like, that's, that's what I'm talking about, man. Just having that, you know, that kind of you know, relationship. And, you know, my 29 year old called me this morning and said, dad, you're all going to be home tonight. It's like, yes. Says I want to come over. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's ministry right there. It's special. That's ministry. Yeah, man. I, I was going to ask, you mentioned it a little bit, but I was going to ask you on the Easter basket. Does the, the basket looks a little different at 29 than it does nine. Are there still, I mean, are, are, are you putting, Candy peeps in there. You still putting that kind of stuff in there, or is oh, yeah. it candy um, toys? I find socks, um, different things. They're not getting like iPads and iPhones, and they're not getting any of that kind of stuff. But I find their favorite candies, <laughs> and I put that in there for them. And you know, I give them some snacks and and things like that that I know they like. And uh, I think it's more about the, you know, they don't get as a care of as much about like, like they're into you know i'll put starbucks cards in there so i'll put like a starbucks yeah. you know card in there because they you know they like starbucks but um but yeah yeah i mean i still i still have fun doing i have, i actually probably enjoy it more than they do uh, uh to be honest with you um uh, and my wife like you know how much you're spending this year i said well i don't know i don't know we just gotta uh <laughs> but I'm, we'll talk about that later <laughs> I, I actually i no joke i went out this week and spied out the baskets i'm looking at the baskets right now. And, um, and so I, I'm going to, and I find them both something on their own personality. I don't give them the same basket. So I'll find something mm. that's like, I knew they like one of my daughters growing up, she loved Pocahontas. One of my daughters loved the Powerpuff Girls. So, uh, okay. so I'll, I'll find things from their childhood that they like, like a doll or, or something. I go out, man, I go all the way out to make it happen. Um, it's, it's, it's that important. I'm taking dad notes right now yeah. as you, uh, as you, as you talk about this kind of stuff, Lee, you are, your enthusiasm, uh, is infectious, uh, and your, 
your fervor for being a husband and a father and a pastor is uh, it's admirable. And you you've said it multiple times. We've still got we're we're still doing it. We've still got years to go. We we're still in it. I want to know what what you're excited about on the horizon of ministry you uh, for you. What's God put in your heart for the next set of years? Sure. So uh, for the last 17 years, I still travel, speak and do things. But for the last 17 years, I've been executive pastor at a church up in Syracuse, New York, out of all places, um, literally clo- very, very close to Canada. I've been in snow, cold. I got the, I got the real life situation of what it means to live in snow. And uh, so for, about as far from Houston as you can get. <laughs> yeah. And only God can do something like that. Um but I stayed there faithfully, went there as a youth pastor, <laughs> and uh, ended up working my way up the ranks. I became the youth pastor, then the children's pastor, then I became the family ministry uh, director, and then I became over communications, all of that. Then I became the executive pastor of the church um, and ministering, and still ministering to youth and overseeing all youth and children uh, ministry. But uh, about two, about a year before the pandemic uh, happened, the Lord really began to stir in my heart that uh, there was a shift coming. Uh, and God knows we had no idea what the pandemic was going to be. Uh, and yet uh, I was stirring in my heart that change was happening. And so, by the way, my pastor at that church asked me for three to five years uh, a commitment, uh, and I gave him 17. Um, and so last October, mm-hmm. last December, uh, excuse me, we officially left that position as executive pastor and relocated back to Houston, Texas uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, my siblings are here. All my brothers and sisters are here. Uh, we haven't been together as adults uh, our entire adult life. So somebody's always out of town, living somewhere else. And so that was important. My father, who's still alive, is getting older in age and want to be close to him. But uh, in terms of ministry, the Lord really led us to come back to Houston because it's more centrally located and to do uh, the assignment that he's placed us to do, Lee Wilson Ministries, uh, we call our website LeeWilson.life, is to really uh, bring purpose to this generation in three areas. Area number one is to live your life on purpose for God. Area number two is to help next generation leaders lead on purpose. Uh, And that is working with them one-on-one, speaking, ministry, whatever their needs are. And the third component of what the assignment that God's placed on our life is to help next generation marriages love on purpose. And so we're doing those three things now. And so God launched us out with the support of some great churches and ministries. My wife and I full time are doing it. She's the real boss. She runs the ministry the day to day. Um, and I do. I get to do the easy part and stand before people and preach. And she does a little ministry herself as well. But that's what we're doing, and we're back in Houston. And, man, we've been running and gunning ever since. We do uh, a conference called the Love Life uh, Marriage and Relationship Conference, and it's it's just amazing. We're just in Boston. Uh, this year we've been to Boston. We've been to uh, Orlando. We've been to St. Louis. We're going to Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to be in New York with it. And it's just where we're going to churches, and they're hosting us, and we're coming in and just kind of sharing 33 years of marriage. Uh, in ministry and why that's so important. And um, mm. check this out, a cool thing. Um, they will never hear this, so I will share this. But I had a, I had a trainer approach me um, 
here in Houston, um, we did a launch, and the trainer and his wife came to um, to this event. They were invited by um, uh, one of my family members, and I guess because of how I this this they've been watching me, and the spouse of this trainer said, "I want my husband to love me the way you love your wife," and so. They came together. They want to have the long-lasting relationship we've had. They're sowing all, and he's sowing all his training into my life as a seed for because they see what God has done in, in our marriage, and so we get the opportunity to kind of pay it back to them. But you know, God loves me that much, and know that that's important. And so, uh, training is expensive. You know, just having a personal trainer, but having a personal trainer. And their, their goal was they want their marriage to be uh, healthy, successful. So they're sowing their talent into my life as a seed because of what we've done in our marriage. Marriage is important mm-hmm. to me. And uh, I love my wife. She's my morning sunrise, my evening sunset, the picker, the, I would say the peanut in my Snickers bar, the sugar in my Kool-Aid. Uh, she is just, uh, uh, I she's, like my, it. she's my queen, man. I love her. And we have uh, a blast 33 years later. Well, Lee, I love I love what you're doing uh, and what God's calling you to do and how he continues to open doors for you. Uh, if people listening to the podcast want to find out and connect with you further on either the the coaching and mentoring that you do for next gen leaders or the love, life, marriage and relationship conference, what are the best ways to connect with you on that kind of stuff? Sure. So, you know, you can always go to Instagram, Lee Wilson Life. Uh, you know, DM us, but the simplest, easiest way to go to our website, leewilson.life. That's L-E-E-W-I-L-S-O-N dot life. And and just look at the information. You can fill out a form if you're interested. Give us a call. We would love to do whatever we can to help. It's not about size. It's not about any of that, really. I, you know, I go to small churches. I speak at, you know, uh, large churches, of course, as well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're open, man, as the Lord lead and open those doors. We, you know, we walk through them, but just check us out on our website. That'd be the best way. LeeWilson.life. Well, Lee, it would be unfortunate if we left without your 49ers prediction for this, for this next year. It's spring. We're a little away from football season right now, Yeah, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. Right. right. So what do you, what do you think our Niners are going to do this year? Well, first of all, I want to say uh, Philly got away with one, and they know it, uh, because if Brock didn't get hurt, we I know we would have won that game, and it would have been a different type of Super Bowl than it was. That's the first thing. Secondly, I think we're yes. in good shape. I love the moves that we made. Um, you know, Brock is up and going. Uh, we still have Trey Lance there as a backup. Uh, I love – the moves that they made. Our window is closing up on us now because we got all these stars. But I would say um, I don't think I don't think we're losing more than eleven games. Uh, we're going to win eleven games this year uh, at least. Um, I think we're I think we're coming in as the best team, um, you know, in the West for sure. When I look at our depth, we lost a lot of guys. Uh, we lost our coaches, some of our coaches, but some of the Actually, the, the free agency moves they made this year, I, I don't know if we've ever been this aggressive in free agency like this, but I'm happy. I'm pleased. I can't wait. I'm already uh, prepared myself. I got a, I got a man cave here, 
and it's Niner down. I'm gonna send you pictures. Uh, uh, personally, I'm gonna just show you. <laughs> Do I'm, it. I, I want to see it. I'm not a bandwagon man. I've been a Niner fan since I was 10 years old, and how I became a Niner fan. I didn't want to be. Everybody said you had to be a Cowboy fan living in Texas. I'm like, no, I'm gonna find my own team. And so I saw at around 10, 11 years old, I saw the Dallas Cowboys playing this team uh, with this SF, that cool gold helmet. I said, that's going to be my team. And boy, did I choose right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, well, hey, can I tell you <laughs> one, one more really cool, funny story just to show you how diehard I am a Niner fan. Uh, a few years ago, I had uh, knee replacement surgery. I had my knee replaced, and I'm coming out of anesthesia, uh, coming out of surgery, and anesthesia was strong, and they're trying to get me to wake up, and I wouldn't wake up and so the nurse is trying everything she's calling my name she's saying my wife is here and she's like uh so she says uh mr wilson mr wilson what do you uh what do you do for a living and i just remember hearing her say do for a living i said i play football and uh and she says you play football she's like yeah she says who do you play for i said the san francisco 49ers <laughs> and so so she looks at my wife <laughs> And my wife's like, no, he, he doesn't play football, but he, that's his favorite team. And so she decided to keep it going. So she's like, uh, what what position do you play? And I said, I, I, I play defense. <laughs> and so uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's what got me out of out of my anesthesia. And uh, my wife said to me afterwards, she says, listen, you've been lying to me. I want to know where that money is. You've been holding back playing for the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that, right all those trips traveling yeah. all over the place that was it and the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so my heart spoke what my really out of all the things i'm thinking about <laughs> it was the niners <laughs> yeah that's so good so good lee it's been a joy having you on the podcast thank you so much for being here it's been my pleasure thank you so much This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next time, everybody.